you are listening to the B-Cast. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome back to the VCast. It's your boy. It's your cousin. It's Vic Sedeno here to bring you through another week. It's another week, and I'm back on the mic. This is getting interesting, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting consistent, consistent, consistent. We are getting consistent. That's all I want. That's all I want. Every episode doesn't need to be world changing. Every episode doesn't need to potentially put me on the map. We're just having fun here. We're having fun. I'm letting go of some emotions. I'm coming to these overdressed. I'm wearing a fucking jacket right now. A jacket. I should have opened that window behind me. See that window back there? For those that can are watching this, for those beautiful people that are watching this, and I love you listeners too. You fucking hardcore listeners can get it. But you viewers, you people that watch this, that look into my eyes while I speak to you, I fucking love you. But also, you can see that window behind me. It's just a little... I would say maybe two by five. Nah, it's a five is way too big. Two by three, like a two by three window behind me in this basement. And I should have opened it because I'm currently wearing a jacket because the shirt that I have underneath here is stained because I just woke up and I'm wearing a hat because I have bed head. My hair is growing out a little bit, a little bit of bed head. Just you're not even going to see it. Can't even show it to you. And for those of you that are just listening, yeah, yeah, it is motherfucking Saturday morning. It is 630 in the morning on Saturday. I'm up. I've been up for about 20 minutes already. This is just how I roll. No alarm. No goals. I have goals, but I'm trying to be funny. No desires in this world. Just getting up. Why do I wake up like that? What brings me out of my sleep like this every goddamn morning? I can't sleep past May. Like if I sleep past 7 p.m. in bed or as I call it these days, couch, I will be up. I just cannot sleep past that at all. Even in, when I used to sleep back in beds. Remember those days when I used to sleep in a bed? Those days I still couldn't sleep past 7 o'clock. My body just aches. Fucking jail did that to me. Jail life. Prison broke me, bro. There was a thread of fucking dicks in my ass that kept me awake. I woke up at 5 o'clock every morning like, you're not putting a dick in my ass today, baby. Ah, You are not putting a dick in my ass today. All right. Early bird doesn't get the worm in jail. How about that? In jail, the early bird doesn't get the worm. Unless he wants it. Unless he wants to go out there and get the worm, then it's there for him. A lot of worms in jail. A lot of worms. 
Early birds can get it, too. Everybody can get it in jail. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. I was never in any threats. But I like to tell people that I was. So they respect me more. That's the goal. You know, if you tell people that you were in jail, then they don't respect you. But if you say prison, then people respect you. That's what I'm all about. Illusions of respect. I don't want the real thing. I just want you to pretend to respect me. <sighs> what are we talking about? Morning times. I'm a fucking morning head. I wake up and then I just can't go back to bed. I can't lay down. I can't do shit. But that's good because today I got a lot to do. We're still on the grind, ladies and gentlemen. We are still on the grind. As of February 1st, I have taken possession of my new residence. But um, there's a couple of kinks in the system that allow me from taking over, which it works out. I mean, we're talking about transition mode here. I'm not, I'm not running out of this place. We're transitioning, all right? For those of you that don't know, I'm moving into a new place, okay? I'm not going to go into the specifics and the details because it's none of your business. I think it is your business, honestly. I would love to tell you everything, but right now, I can't tell you. Can't tell you. Tell, can't tell you that much. There are other parties involved. We have to keep this on the hush hush for their protection. But when that protection has been lifted, pobrecito, I'm going to stick my story up your ass faster than a rabbit gets fucked. It's just what I want to do. Share my story because I want you to know who I am. I want you to know who I am. It's hard to do this every week and not be honest. It's very hard. It's a lot of the reasons why I skipped it. It's because it's hard for me to be honest. It's a lot more work to fucking maneuver around stories. You know what I mean? So I'll tell you what I can. Out of respect. I'm a fucking respectful person. So I tell you what I can out of respect. So I got a new place. All right. And this whole process sucks. Everything I'm going through right now sucks. But. The whole point of what I even wanted to talk about today is the fact that there are so many things that suck, right? There's like so many situations in your life that sometimes they bring you to the point where you're like, you're like almost broken. Like you just, you get tired. You get tired of fighting. You get tired of, of you know, bad things happening to you or things not going your way. You get tired of um, just being emotionally drained. You get tired of all that stuff. You get tired of sleeping on the couch. You know, there's just a lot of things you get tired of. And when bad things are happening, I can, I can get down on myself, especially when change is coming you know I'm, I'm resistant to change because i like being comfortable i'm be i like being comfortable so much that i could stay miserable as long as i'm comfortable does that make sense i hope it does does it make you money but does it make you money i hate those fucking people anything you fucking tell them but does it make you money anyway um 
So, yes, the, you know, you go through these things that are tough. And, you know, I faced a lot of obstacles in my life. Um, a lot of them I put in front of myself. Most of them, almost every one of them I put in front of myself. Um, but at the time that I was going through these things, it felt like forever. It felt like this is the world on top of me. Excuse me. It felt like this is the world on top of me. The pressure, the stress, the feeling of uh, hopelessness. Um, you know, these are all things I go through when I'm going through, let's just say, when I'm going to, like when I went to jail, the pressure and the fear and the um, anxiety that I felt was, you know, stuff I've never felt before leading up to it. And then I remember that first day, once I'm, like once everything was done, the traveling, the fucking paperwork, the all of the intakes that I had to go through and the conversations when everything was done and I sat on that couch in that fucking rehab facility in Sea Caucus, New Jersey. And I looked around and I knew that that was day one of six months. It was day one of six months. I remember the fucking pit in my throat. Where I was like, how can I do this? How can I get through this? And I don't know how I did it. I'm not going to sit here and say I have a formula for getting through tough situations. But I am going to say that because I kind of do. I kind of have a little bit of a formula. When, here it is, right? When things get really rough... When things are stressed out, when I don't know what to do, when I feel like I'm completely overwhelmed, I just do the next right thing. This is a fucking AA term. Do the next right thing. It really boils down to like the simplest of things you can do because you can't control when I'm sitting there in that chair in that fucking rehab facility in Sea Caucus, New Jersey, called Turning Point, it's where I became a Republican. Turning Point was the name of the fucking rehab facility that I was in for six months. When I was there that first day, when I had that pit in my throat, I was thinking about the six months. How am I going to complete the six months? The level of anxiety that I felt, the pressure, the fucking shit that was eating at me was me telling myself, how am I going to do this? for six months there's no possible way that our brains can comprehend what happens to a person and what happens and things that happen in a month in like time i don't think our brains really really grasp change because so much happens in so much time right that just makes so much sense so much happens in so much time so much happens during time, like time passes and you're really only aware of the actions you're taking at the time, right? If you live in the moment, if you're very depressed, like I get sometimes, then you, may, you might think about the past or the future a lot, but that's all that gets you. You can't control those things. You can't control the past. The past is done already. You can't do nothing to change it. The future hasn't happened yet. You can't do anything to change it really. Can you? Yes, you can. 
you can do the next right thing right now. Right now. What does that mean? What does doing the next right thing mean for me? Um, doing the next right thing means getting up and going to work the next day. The next right thing for me to do, like let's say right now, the next right thing for me to do after I'm done with this podcast is to take care of responsibilities. Take care of my responsibilities. Um, do I have to clean? Is um, Let's say the bathrooms are due this week. I have to clean the bathrooms this weekend. The next right thing for me to do is to clean the bathrooms. You know what I'm saying? Like really boils down to those. But, you know, like in uh, N.A., they say just for today. Just for today, I won't suck a dick. Just for today, I won't do coke. Like people use that just for today to get through those little steps that they need to take to get to their goal, right? It's all about those steps you take every day. You take a step, you take a step, you take a step. Sometimes you take steps back. Sometimes you take steps forward, but you're always taking steps. You always got to be moving. You always want to stay in the fucking mix because the minute you get out of the mix, you're out of the mix. The minute you get out of the mix, you're out of the mix, right? So, the next right thing carries me to where I need to be. The next right thing takes me to where I'm supposed to go. I don't know this at the time. I don't know what's going to happen. But historically, in my life, I've been pretty optimistic. It's just, it's like a family fucking trait, actually. Like my family, we are highly optimistic. The world can be burning around us and we'll still be smiling. Look around for the people that are smiling. They're probably related to me. All right. We just have a way of, um, and this is, I think I've talked about this before. This is also something I feel is a detriment to my success is the same attitude where something bad happens. I'm just kind of like, eh. You know, kind of laugh. Look, my grandma died, the matriarch of our family, of who I'm talking about, the positive people. My aunt, one minute, was going to throw herself in the fucking grave, and the next minute, we're on the beach and fucking. Cabarrojo. 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 You know what I mean? Like, we try to make the best of things. So I'm, I'm usually highly optimistic, but. This, like this problem that I'm going through now, my situation, and I'm going to make an episode where I just talk about it one day once things clear. And the problem is, is uh, my wife hasn't really told, talked to her family yet. And I don't know if they listen to this podcast. If they do, please, you know, don't blab around. Um, but so she's just, you know, maneuvering that. And I'm trying to be respectful of that with my huge platform. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but with all the stuff that I've been going through, um, a lot of it I've been going through alone for this, what I just told you, because, you know, I don't want to tell nobody. And, and you know what, to be honest with you, I, it's really felt like a source of shame for a very long time because, um, you know, me and my wife had such a great really, and we still do, we had such a great relationship and such great pictures that it just felt like I failed. I felt like a failure. I didn't want nobody to know I fucked this up. You know what I mean? And um, I just wanted to keep things to myself. <sighs> I lost my train of thought. Um, so with everything that's going on, 
Like, I just have this positive experience in my life. I have this, um, I have this experience that I feel is true. I just don't know. I don't have any other evidence. I I have to talk to more people about this. But I feel like as long as I do the next right thing, things have a way of working out. Things have a way of working out. As long as I do the next right thing, things have a way of working out. But it may not work out the way I wanted it to work out. But it'll work out the way it works out. Right? If you have a God, that's where you would say it works out the way God wants it to work out. Your higher power, Allah, Odin, whoever you believe in. I I don't believe in a name. Okay, I believe in spirituality. I believe that there that there is a plan. I don't know. Not like somebody has a fucking list, you know, that they're checking off that we're supposed to do all these things. No. I feel the universe has a destination like it's already going somewhere like this is all going somewhere already and we're in the ride so there's nothing you can really do to sway it you could just make the best of time that you can on the ride that's how i feel the world goes and then when we die our energy or your soul or whatever you call it goes back into the mix to be distributed again to somebody else and our energy just keeps getting recycled and recycled and recycled. And I feel like we keep glimpses of it. We keep glimpses of our past lives and parts of us are in different dimensions. It's the fucking wacky shit out there. Everything is crazy. But to, if I think some guy, some bearded guy is up on a cloud, you know, dictating things and thinking about me and my family and, you know, and they take care of you know, It's just fucking, I don't know. The fucking church is crazy. But how am I getting to this? I feel like if you do the next right thing things will work out things just have a way of working out right it's all about your perspective this is important this is an important ingredient of this mix all right when you're doing the next right thing you can get frustrated because of your perspective your perspective and the way you see things dictates your behavior and your attitude Okay, so, for example, if my perspective is negative and shitty and my outlook on things is typically shitty, I probably have a shitty attitude. You ever, you ever meet those people where they're just fucking negative about everything? Everything is negative. Everything is not going to work. Um, there's always, you know, bad news. It's just, you know, those people are a fucking emotional drain on you. They're an emotional drain. All right. Perspective really dictates your attitude. So, for example, if it's snowing outside, my perspective could be, fuck, I hate snow. This sucks. I don't want to be in the snow. I don't want to shovel and just complain. That could be my perspective. Or I can say, I really don't like snow. But it's kind of beautiful. It's kind of nice looking. Well, at least I don't have to do this. You know what I mean? Like you can choose to pick the things that you want to react to. Like if you just want to react to negative shit, you're going to have a negative perspective. You're going to have a negative attitude about things. And that fucking feels like a drain. 
negativity just feels like a drain. People are like, oh, why are you always so positive? Don't say nice things. Because it fucking feels better. It really does. Like, I like making fun of shit and being negative. It's funny. Negative is funny. But positive could be funny, too. Feels better. Positivity feels better. And it makes other people feel better. I like that. I don't like making other people feel bad. I really don't. Only only people I like feeling bad are people that wear masks in their car while they're driving by themselves. Those are the people that I want to feel bad. Those are the people that I want to kind of look in the mirror and and feel less about themselves. All right. I want them to look in the mirror and be like, I'm fucking stupid. I'm stupid. Look at me. What am I doing? I got two masks on in the car. Nobody's in the car with me. What am I going to catch? Like, I don't want people to feel bad. I want people to feel good. I want people to to take away better feelings from their interaction with me. I used to like making people feel bad. That's not true. I didn't like making people feel bad. I just didn't care if making you feel bad was collateral damage for me making myself or anybody else laugh. That's what it was. I wasn't, I didn't, never, never, never wanted to make, if I made somebody feel bad, I wouldn't show it because I was trying to be cool, but I would be hurt. Like, I, I didn't want anybody to feel bad. You know, like, I made fun of people in school and stuff. Um, and I said some things that weren't nice just because I wanted to people to laugh. I never said anything malicious to people, uh, unless I didn't like you or we were fighting or something. I mean, that's different, but just for no reason, like I never was malicious to people, like said things just to be nasty or anything like that. I said things to be funny. And sometimes the unintended consequences of that were your feelings were hurt, but never malicious. I never, never want to, uh, to put people in situations like that, but um, what was I talking about? Perspective. Um, don't make things a tragedy. Don't make things a tragedy. Things, th- everything doesn't have to be a Shakespeare play for you. All right. There's a, a lot of people you interact with them, and everything is drama. This year's award for best drama goes to your mom. Like your mom's on Facebook wilding out, talking about all her fucking business telling everybody your feelings and just looking like a goddamn mess well guess what people like look like that in real life too like people that just like drama they're like fucking hairs messed up they have half a tear in one eye they've got one fucking tear all the way down the other cheek they're telling you stories their fucking nose is running their breath stinks like they're just gross people like the drama people Here's the thing, though, when people are, um, when people are like that, uh, when people always play the victim, they're rewarded for that. There's a reward that they're seeking, okay? Because when you're the victim, um, when you are the sad part of a story, you're also always right. It's a form of being right, um, It's a form of attention seeking, which I can identify with a hundred percent. I just get my attention differently. Uh, You know, those kids that would cry, like, it's just, it's like an adult temper tantrum, but people do it because it makes them right. 
Like there doesn't need there's a there doesn't there doesn't need to be a right or a wrong, but some people, even when there's, let me rephrase that, even when there is a right or a wrong, people want to be right, and by being right, they they put on this these shows so that they can um they put on these stories so that they can. They could be the victor, like they can be. Everybody wants to be victor. Um, how am I trying to explain this? All right, so fucking negative people. You are the director of your own story in your head. In your head, there's a constant story going on, and you can write that story. You're the writer. You're writing. You're producing. You're directing, you're starring in this film. All right. And um, oh no, I think I have to tell this kid to go. The kid is up. She's caught on to it. She's caught on to it. Where she found her iPhone, in which she won't be coming down here. Anyway. Um. You're the director of this movie. You star in this movie that goes on in your head. You write the script for every character, for all their vo- all their lines. You make this all up in your head. S- like, when you get cut off by someone on the highway, you write the story that they're an asshole, that they're doing this, that they're doing that. You write that. You get angry at them based off of what you think is going on. It's your story. You wrote that in your head, all right? They just cut you off, and you wrote a story in your head, and now you're right, and they're wrong, and you're angry, and it makes you the superhero of your own story, right? But you also get angry, and you react. Now, if you wrote the story differently, your reaction would be differently. So instead of when you when they cut you off, you write the story that they're an asshole and they don't, they're inconsiderate and they don't think you're shit and they, you know, they just cut you off and they're pieces of shit. Instead of writing that story, why don't you write, maybe their mother's sick and they're on their way home to go get them. Maybe, um, you know, they're having a rough, you know, you can write the story to be different because it's a story anyway. It's not true. Either way, you just made that up in your head. You know what I'm saying? Either way, you just made that up in your head. When you have a conversation with somebody and you're going off into it, I think this person's doing this, and you react to a conversation or you have conversations. You ever have conversations with people in your own head? Like in the shower, you know you're going to talk to your boss that day about something and you're playing that conversation out in your head. And as you're playing that conversation out in your head, you're developing emotions. And those emotions don't know you're fucking telling a story. Those emotions can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. They're going through the experience. Your emotions are developing this response. That response has a history. Now, the next time you go talk to this person, your emotions feel like you just already had this conversation with them. Yet you'd never had this conversation with them. And now you're going to approach this conversation like they responded to you the way you wrote that they responded to you, but they never responded to you. Let me break that down for you. I'm in the shower. I'm thinking about talking to my boss. I'm going to need a raise. Okay. 
I haven't asked my boss to get anything. I haven't said anything. Me and my boss are fine. The relationship, we're not arguing. We're not fighting. There's no tension, nothing. But in my head, in the shower, I'm thinking about this conversation I'm going to have. I start playing that conversation out in my head. And, you know, the way it's going in my head is I ask, and then they responded, and then I add, you know, and we're having this conversation, this back and forth, and in this back and forth, they say no, and then I'm going to play that conversation in my head that he said no, and then I'm going to say, well, why? And then he's, I'm going to make up why he says no, because I don't deserve it, or because I did this, or because I did that. I'm going to make that up in my head. This is a conversation that still hasn't happened yet. This is still all going on in my head. I'm having this conversation of how this conversation is going to play out. I'm in the shower. I'm getting fucking worked. Who the fuck does this guy think he is? He's not going to fucking give me a raise. Fucking little pipsqueak. Why would you say that? Like I'm playing this out in my head. This conversation hasn't happened yet. I'm playing this out in my head now. I'm fired up. I'm fucking angry, bro. Who does this guy think he's talking to? Are you kidding me? Like this is playing out in my head. Now I go to work. I go to work, this conversation happened 45 minutes ago in my head. Didn't happen in real life, all right? Now, when I go to work and I see my boss, we're on two different fields. We're on two different playing fields. He's playing on the field that we're really playing on, which maybe, maybe he's got his own fucking story. Maybe there's a third playing field. You don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what people got going on in their head. So maybe he's not thinking of it. Maybe in his mind, he's been thinking that you've been asking him for quite some time. And he's been having this conversation of how he's going to give it to you, of how he's going to be right. You know what? You do need to raise if you do ask. Like he's has his meanwhile in your mind, you're thinking he's going to fight you for it. And how do you think you approach that conversation? You start that conversation 45 minutes into the conversation when it just started. You understand what I'm saying? You bring all that emotion with you. You ever have a conversation with that with somebody that you did that with? And they're like, why are you mad at me? <laughs> what are you angry about? You know what I mean? And they don't know because you haven't told them. But in your mind, your mind places like this unrealistic expectation that they should already know why they're why you're mad. Because you've already had this conversation. Then you're angrier because they don't know. And you're like, why are you acting like you don't know? You know what I mean? Like the like emotions and your mind are fucking tricky, man. That's why perspective. It's such um, it's such a trait. It's such a helpful trait to have. It can really fuck you up, but it's also very helpful. And it also takes time to develop. This is not something you can just start doing. I've been through a lot of fucking therapy. I've been through a lot of counseling. I've been through a lot of fucking seminars on the weekend. So I've done a lot of work in this field, all right? When I got locked up, my brother changed my perspective going in, all right? Because going in, I felt resistant to it, right? I felt like um, I was getting a raw deal. I just, I was, I was not a, a criminal, all right. I've committed crimes. So technically, yes, I was a criminal, but I wasn't a criminal. I'm not a bad person. I just got greedy. I just made the wrong decision. You know what I mean? And it cost me dearly that decision. And I thought it was unfair that it cost me so much. I thought it was really unfair that I had 
to get sentenced to prison. I thought like, what? I'm just a good kid. Like I know my heart and, um, and I just, I couldn't, um, I couldn't believe that I was like getting put in that position, you know? So I was very, very resentful. I was angry. I didn't take it in stride. Like I'm showing you now. I was, but I was fucking going through it. This is only like this because of now, because I was, you know, I'm able to look back at it with hindsight, but at that point I was fucking going through it. And my brother told me something that changed my perspective and how I reacted to everything. All right. And my brother told me, if you want to beat them, if you want to beat the system, do everything they tell you to do, do everything they tell you to do. And they can't fuck with you. And it like that penetrated that got through to me. And I was like, wow, if I'm just going to do everything and it changed my perspective. So now in there, when I went in, I wasn't going in with the perspective of fuck this shit, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I didn't go in there with that anger or that resentment. I went in there with I'm going to do everything they tell me and I'm going to win. I'm going to win. That was the perspective that changed everything. It really, really did. I went in there with a different mentality that doing what I was supposed to do was going to benefit me, that doing everything they told me was going to make me win over them, over their own program. So I did everything. I did everything like I participated. I was involved. I spoke. I took turns. I, you know, I took the therapy seriously not because i thought i needed it but because i thought it was going to benefit me i thought it was going to help me win so i went for it but if i had a different perspective where i was like this is going to be stupid for, you know i could it could have been a very rough time i could have went to prison i could have went to prison because i had the wrong perspective how important is perspective you control it. You control the narration. You can you dictate the story in your head of what's playing out in front of you. You write that story. Whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. How it affects you is what's important. Are you going to write a story that makes you the fucking hero? Or are you going to make the story that makes you the fucking joker? Like the jester? Or the bad guy? <laughs> That's up to you. So I feel like that's why I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You have to be persistent. You have to be consistent. You have to have the proper perspective so that you can persevere through these things. It ain't easy being breezy. I mean, we're just we're just going through it, man. I mean, we're just going through it. Let's take the situation I'm in now and I'm going to wrap it up. Wrap it up, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm blabbing. Um, let's take the situation I'm in now. I've been very resistant to leaving because I love this house that I'm in and I'm comfortable. And, you know, obviously I don't want to leave my family. Um, but I, I, we're, we're in a position where we got to do what we got to do. So my perspective could be negative about it. Right. I could be angry about it. I could be resentful about it and make this process a lot worse. Or my perspective can be hopeful. My perspective is hopeful in the fact that 
as long as I do the next right thing, things will work out. Things will be better. I'm not going through anything that nobody's gone through before. I'm not fucking in uncharted territories for people. I mean, it is for me. Change sucks, right? Um, uh, You know, going through these emotions suck, but my perspective is that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Things can come out of this. Um, then there's the, you know, like the whole a search for an apartment. That was fucking um, challenging. The search for an apartment was challenging because right now that, you know, nobody's leaving. There's very shortage of apartments because people can't get evicted. There's a eviction freeze. So nobody's leaving apartments. So apartments are very short to come by. Plus, I'm on a fucking budget because of all my past. Um, what is it called? My, my past discretions? I don't know. You know, I'm just fixing my credit. Also, credit scores over 700. Just an update on that. I got that loan that I paid off all that credit card debt. Remember that? I don't know if I told you about that. Anyway. um, So the apartment search is, is hard for that you know so i'm just constantly going through rejection constantly not working not working and i'm like fuck there's a light at the end of the tunnel persevere consistent every day next right thing all right i wake up do i play video games no the next right thing is i look for fucking an apartment do i do this no the next right thing is you know what i mean that's the next right thing i don't want to i don't want to but i do and you know, it pushes me along little by little. So then I, you know, things end up having a way of working out. I, I call an apartment, check this out. Um, I call, I call for an apartment. Um, the lady says I can go see it the next day. I, I line up some other, um, viewings the next day. And then the, I had made the appointment for her for the afternoon. The next day I wake up and it's the morning and I'm like, you know what? Let's see if she can show it to me now. She's close by. I call her and she's like, yeah, sure. Come by. I go see it. And um, apparently it's a it's an apartment, a one bedroom apartment above a pizzeria. And um, the owner of the pizzeria lived in the apartment and he got sick and he was in the hospital. And they're like, he's going to die. They they know that he's going to die. And the um, owner, he owned the building. He made a will and left that lady in the will. And she didn't know that he left him in the will. Like she didn't know she was going to take over the apartment. She never planned for it. She like, you know, take over the building. She never planned for it. The guy had just left it in her will, in the will. So she was making, you know, arrangements. So she was renting a place. She's never been a landlord before. She's an older lady. She's a big bitch. Um, Hey, I'll give it to her. Uh, anyway, um, fucking gross. And, um, what happened? Oh, so she's a very, very nice lady. Very nice. And, you know, we hit it off. She's telling me that I look like her son's um, friend. Her son's a cop that's disabled. And her son's friend, they went to the police academy together. And um, that was his best friend growing up, all that stuff. And then he died. So I look like her son's best friend that died. And she's, um, you know, takes takes to me very quickly. And we start getting along, showing me the place. I'm telling her my situation. Anyway, I leave the place and I'm like, that's, you know, it's so close to my house. I'm like, this is the spot. The other place looked nicer. 
the other place was so modern, the place I was going to go see. But this place was so close to my house. It just fucking shitted all over that. And um, I can be right here and, you know, make it transition so much easier. And um, so then I go back. I take the apartment and uh, it has all the furniture in it. I'm just like, eh. she's like, tell me what you want, what you don't want, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'll, I'll do it. So I told her to get rid of all the living room furniture because it was all beat. Uh, the bedroom furniture, I was like, you can leave that because I'll just get a new mattress and I can use the bedroom furniture, you know, um, some old wooden furniture. And she's like, fine. Da, da, da. Anyway, boom. Good. Thank you. Um, now, uh, fast forward. Um, you know, she had told me she was going to clean the apartment out and all that stuff when I take over. So I took over um, February 1st and now uh, like the, nobody cleaned. Like she didn't hire a cleaning lady. She told me she was gonna hire a cleaning lady. She didn't hire a cleaning lady. Um, so I've been cleaning. I cleaned the fucking refrigerator out. They left me a nice stainless steel refrigerator, beautiful stainless steel refrigerator. I cleaned that fucking thing out like a demon with with Lysol. You know that yellow Lysol or multi-purpose cleaner. I cleaned the. F I took everything out. I cleaned every little crevice. Everything. That fucking refrigerator is nice now. Did the same thing with the cabinets, the kitchen cabinets, all, every single thing. I cleaned it all out with Lysol wipes, um, all of it, uh, no, Clorox wipes, rather. Cleaned all that out. Then I did um, all the furniture. Now I look at the bed and I see fucking bed bug uh, bodies. And I didn't see any live bed bugs, but there were bed bug bodies. So now I got a fucking bed bug problem. And um, I got to steam the carpets. I got to paint. Like there's all these obstacles in front of me. All right. Perspective. My perspective could be of all these fucking problems, you know, and I can attack this lady and make a fucking bad relationship, uh, not attack her physically. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah, you did this. You did that. Like, no, my perspective is she's under a lot of pressure. She just took over a fucking building for her friend that she used to be lovers with that just died. Um, and she didn't know she was inheriting this building. She's not a fucking landlord. You know, she is now, but she wasn't a landlord before, so she doesn't know what she's doing. My perspective is I'm going to help you because helping you helps me. I can do all these things. I can paint. I can clean. I can steam carpets. You know what else I can do? I can take all of that off of my rent. All right. Didn't I tell you I was on a fucking budget? You see how things work out when your perspective is fucking right? This is a fucking gold mine I landed in. This lady doesn't know what she's doing. She needs help. Guess who can help her? Me. All right. I can help her. And for this help, I can take modest amounts of money off of my rent every month. And I am here for it. All right. The apartment is nice. The apartment is nice. It was just this man by himself. He did a lot of things. He put a lot of custom wood. The fucking cabinets, the kitchen cabinets are very nice. The uh, He's got this whole custom wood vanity in the um, in the bathroom. That's very nice. A big walk-in closet. Um, it's just a nice little one-bedroom apartment for me. And my daughter, when she wants to come sleep over. And... I have to pull I have to put a lot of work in it. It's not perfect. The bed bug situation scares me. I threw all I threw the mattress out. I threw the fucking headboard out. I threw the two end tables out. I kept the drawer and the dresser, like I said, and I cleaned everything out. I cleaned that 
um, inside of those drawers out with alcohol. And then I did wood polish on the outside. They look nice. They're ready to put clothes in. Um, I put all bug, uh, put this bug home defense spray down. I'm going to get me some bud bug traps just to make sure there's no, no live fucking outbreaks. Um, but my perspective could be shitty about things. You know what I mean? Like my perspective can be shitty about things. Um, I got introduced to the neighborhood really quick. I'm going to leave you guys with this story. I'm going to tell you this story real quick and then I'm going to bounce. Um, my brother's up from Florida and that's a whole other fucking, that's a whole other episode if I talk about that. Um, and uh, how I'm introduced to the neighborhood is because my brother's um, going to stay with, stay at the apartment. He's going to help me paint so he can stay there until he finds a place. Hopefully before I move in. And um, so he goes there. I, I left him the keys and he takes the keys and he goes to the apartment and he calls me and I'm at work and I can't answer the phone. And um, he leaves me a message. Hey, this place smells like gas really bad. Uh, I'm not going to stay here. Uh, and this is um, I forgot a part of the story. I, we had smelled the gas before and we called the landlord and she had PSCNG come out and they um, somebody was in there the night before in the pizzeria. I guess they opened the window and they uh, the pilot light on the stove blew out. Um, so that was the gas that we smelled. And so they relit it and that was fine. So then my brother goes back like this is a couple of days later, um, like maybe almost a, almost a week later, four or five days. My brother goes back and um, he goes in again and he smells guys like my brother just stopped smoking. He fucking smells a fucking wasp's fart. That's how fucking sensitive his nose is all of a sudden. Um, so he smells gas again and he's like, I can't stay here. It's not safe. Right. Because obviously I don't pick up the phone. I can't talk to him. So he just leaves. He goes to the hotel, says I'm leaving. I left the keys back in your mailbox. So I'm like, all right. He left, so I'm like, I'm gonna go over there anyway. I, I'll call PSNG myself and see if they come out. Because I, now at this point, the lady told me she hired a cleaning lady, and then the cleaning there was I know there was no cleaning lady because I had to clean. And so I'm like, a part of me is like, did she really have PSNG come? I have to question it now, right? So, so I'm like, I'll just call PSNG myself. I have an account now. It's, you know, took over the meter on the first. So now it's my account. I can call. So I call. I'm on my way over there. I'm driving. I call. I got beer. I got my weed with me. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to fucking clean. I'm smoke. I'm going to drink. I'm going to have a good time fucking doing work. Right? I got my mask, gloves. I got all my cleaning products. I'm just going to put some fucking work in. I call PSCNG, tell them about the gas leak. And um, they're like, all right, well, um, you know, evacuate the premises. She mentioned something about calling 911. I thought she said, don't call 911. That is what I thought she said. Don't call 911. All right. I get to my block. And as I'm pulling up, I see 911. I see all of the lights. All right. There's two cop cars. There's a, uh, a fire, uh, a fire truck. And the fire, I don't know if it's the fire inspector or the fire chief. I think it was the fire chief. Um, he is, they're all standing there, you know, like standing around looking. I pull up and I'm like, hey, I'm pulling around. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows who I am. I just pull up and I'm like, hey, the keys are in the mailbox. I'm pulling around. 
and I just pull off, and they're all looking around. So I, they go check in the mailbox. I walk around after I park my car, and I come walking up, and they're like, hey, there's no key in the mailbox. And I'm like, what do you mean there's no key in the mailbox? My brother said he left the key in the mailbox. I have to go see. There's 17 fucking city officials standing outside, police, sworn members of the fucking community, and I need to go look in the mailbox. I can't take their word for it. I look in the mailbox. There's no keys. I'm like, fuck. I call my brother. Hey, there's no keys in the mailbox. He's like, yeah, I left them in there. I'm like, well, no, you didn't. I'm looking at them right now. I'm here with the fucking police station. Everybody. He's like, hey, I left them in your mailbox in your house, not the apartment. I'm like, <sighs> so embarrassed. These people are fucking like, um, you don't have a key, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, so we try calling the landlord. The landlord doesn't answer. I'm like, you know what? I live 10 minutes away. Let me run home now. I'll run home and come back. They're like, hurry up. I get in my car, start to go. I didn't even make it out of the parking lot when the landlord called me. She's like, the chief of police called me. I'm on my way. I'm like, oh, fuck. So um, I go back, and the police, the police chief's like, I guess you talk to her. Uh, I guess you talk to the lady. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And then um, so we wait there. And then the fucking PSCNG guy shows up, fucking big black guy. And he's like, um, I need to go upstairs. And we're like, oh, we're waiting for the key. He's like, yeah, I ain't got the key. And we're like, no. He's like. Damn, your police, your fire department is the nicest fire department I ever seen because Patterson Fire Department would have had axes on those doors already. And I'm like, fuck, don't give them any ideas, bro. And then the lady showed up like five minutes later. Um, we go in and they smelled gas. And I'm like, thank God. The, the funny thing is, is at the door of the pizzeria, like I put my nose right in the little crack. I got a pointy nose. Look at that bad boy. I got a pointy nose. I stoke it. I st- Stuck it right in the crack of the, like, right where, where the lock is. And I was like, and I smelled the gas. I smelled it. I was like, I smell the gas. Nobody else smells this? And they're like, no. The PSUNG guy went there with his little fucking sniffing tool. And I, like, he didn't say anything to nobody. I was watching his body language. And I could tell that he was getting readings on his fucking gas detector. And then he was like, uh, nobody. He's like, we got to open these doors. <laughs> he said, we got to get these doors open. And then finally, like the landlord pulled up, we open the door, we go inside, and what happened was, is the when the PSC and G guy was out, the the other time he turned the gas off, he only turned one of the lines off, he didn't turn off the other line, and that line leaks, so there was fucking gas everywhere, and um, so they shut it off, blah blah blah, everybody went about their business, and I lived a happy life after that. But. There was a, a perspective at play there because on my way, on my way to the house, I was angry at my brother. I didn't believe him. I was like, this fucking guy in his sensitive ass nose, you know, and I got angry and I made judgments of my brother. That was the story I wrote in my head and it was wrong. That's the other thing. When you realize you have a story wrong in your head, it's okay to rewrite it. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to admit it. Like, people have such a fucking tough time with that. Like, hey, I fucked up. My bad. You be surprised. When you do that, how fast things blow over. The more you try to hide and beat around the bush, the more things drag out. The more you have to watch over your shoulder. Somebody's going to find out the truth. When you just come right out and do it, bleh, I fucked up. It's, you know, like, it sucks. It's embarrassing. But that shit is quick, man. That feeling doesn't last long at all. That feeling goes by fast. And you know what feeling comes after that? Pride. Because you're fucking proud. You're proud that you told the fucking truth. And you're over it. It feels good. It 
feels good. And that's all I'm about right now. I'm all about feeling good, baby. Feeling good. Um, so that's it, man. This is just fucking be positive, man. Just be, be positive, bro. Be positive. Yo, here's another thing to be positive about. Check this out. The motherfucking dojo of comedy is coming back, baby. It's coming back. I just got the messages last night. The dojo of comedy is coming back. March is booking. We're booking March, baby. Comedy Kumite is coming back. Fucking Mark Norman's doing two shows on 420. I'm high already. I'm high already thinking about that. 420, Mark Norberg. Mark Norberg. Mark Norman, two shows, baby. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg is going to be at the Dojo of Comedy for two shows on 420. All right, but we're going to call him Mark Normand. Normandy. He's going to be like, hey, fatty fucking guy. What if I just punch Mark Norman in his face? Would that make me a legend? I like Mark Norman. I don't want to do nothing mean. I'm just saying, like, like in the show, I guess I wouldn't be allowed anywhere if I did that, right? Probably get banned. Like, if he was just up there doing his sketch, and I'm like, yo, videotape this, right? Like, he's in the middle of his set, and I'm like, yo, videotape this. And somebody videotapes, and I just walk up and fucking punch him in his face while he's doing, right? Like, halfway through a fucking joke. Here's the punchline. I just fucking hit him. That's fucked up, bro. I wouldn't want to do that. Mark Mark's like a nice guy, man. He seems like a nice guy. Five, not even five minutes after I met him, he's calling me fucking fatty, fucking brick. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to get back into the fucking swing of things with comedy. Like, oh, I can't wait. I've been writing some. I've been writing some. I thought of some, some, uh, some good premises. I got to develop. I got to develop a whole new act. This Sunday, Dojo of Comedy, Valentine's Day, is um, another show. I believe it is a secret show. No, it's not secret. It's um, Cypher Sounds. Cypher Sounds, Natalie Cuomo, um, and others will be in the building. Clint Esposito. Guys, Clint Esposito is going to be there. Can you believe it? Look, Tiff's Comedy. I spelled Tiff's wrong. Tiff's Comedy. Boom, 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 boom. Let's see. Tiff's comedy. Live stream comedy show. Dun, dun, dun. When is this? The fifth? Valentine's Day dinner show. Here we go. Headlining Cypher Sounds featuring Gianmarco Sarresi, hosted by Natalie Cuomo. Ooh, this is a nice little show. Three Bs. The Three Bs. This is going to be a nice little show. Valentine's Day dinner comedy show headlining Cypher Sounds featuring Gianmarco Sorresi, hosted by Natalie Cuomo. All right, that's the 14th, 5 p.m. seating, 6 p.m. show. Head over to tiffscomedy.com to buy tickets. All right, get on there. Oh, man, I'm looking. Sam Tripoli was supposed to be at the dojo. Five fucking three shows. He never fucking made it. What a fucking, what a fucking, what? Um,. Just going through the website, guys. Yo, Valentine's Day. Do it. Comedy's coming back. You guys got to come out. We got to go out again. We got to hit the fucking streets. I'm about to go hit the streets now. Uh, This episode is over. Over. Thank you for coming. 
Thank you for playing. I appreciate you. Shout out to the sponsors, New Jersey, New Jersey's, New York's number one pool table company. 18 pool table service, baby. That is njnypooltableservice.com. You need your table moved. You got to do some things. Call the boys. They got gloves with no fingers. They got the gloves with the no fingertips. They know what they're doing. All right. Call them. They'll make your table look beautiful. Tiffscomedy.com. Holla at your boy. Thanks, everybody. Mwah. Bye. You're listening to my daddy of the bean.